Well, if you have just joined us for the last few weeks, you might be wondering who in the world is the pastor of this place? It seems like somebody else is preaching every week. And that is because our lead pastor, Andrew, is on a three-month sabbatical. And he is a month in, has two more months of rest and refreshment and refocusing. And while he's been gone, we have had the privilege of having some different speakers. And this morning, we get to have Pastor Gaylord Enns. And Gaylord is a pastor to the pastors and a blessing in this city. And we are so privileged to hear from you. So Jesus, we just thank you for the message that you have written on Gaylord's heart that will be a blessing to us. Lord, would you just continue to speak to him, continue to lead him as he shares this morning. In your name, amen. Amen. It is an honor to be with you today, and I do encourage you to pray for Pastor Andrew. Just remember him in your prayers that this is going to be an amazing time of rest and refreshing and just... Uh, God opening up new things. It's always a delight to be with family. And here we are worshiping today. When, when Andrew talked to me um, a couple months back and said, hey, we're going to be doing a, a thing on the, uh, the thousand names of God or the attributes of God. Um, I mean, where do you start? So one of the things I did was I went in and typed in my scriptural search. I typed in God is. And I got this whole list of like 30, 40 names, things that God is. And, you know, God is a jealous God. God is a consuming fire. He's merciful. He's a rock. Uh, he's exalted. Uh, he's a righteous judge, a refuge, strength, help. He saves. He strengthens our hearts. He's greatly to be feared. And I went on down and I continued down the list thinking, which one am I going to use? And I came to uh, some of them in the New Testament. God is faithful. He is spirit. He is just. He's a builder of everything. And the last one on the list was God is love. And I decided to do that one today. How's that? I mean, it's, it's not easy to make these choices, uh, but I uh, came up with it. And so today, that's where we're going to start. And today, I just believe the Lord wants to so apply this message to all of us that you are going to be changed because of what he says to you through his word, through the presentation today. God is love. And this is a very personal uh, application for me. And I'll share that toward the end. I'm going to give you an illustration of something that's happened. Well, to start with, we need to see that that's actually biblical. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and 1 John 4, 16. Both of these passages of scripture refer to this. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 4.16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So it's very clear there that you see these two attributes highlighted. God is love. And we can see that this is biblical. And it's interesting that it comes from John, the longest living apostle, one who was so close to Jesus and had the journey with him, was with him for three and a half years, and one who really understood the heart of God. So we start there today. Now, I do want to point out the fact that while God is love, this is absolutely true from Scripture, you need to also understand that love is not God. 
Now, this is not an equal sign. So some people might want to turn this around and say, well, um, I, I don't believe in God. I believe in love, and love is the same thing as God. Actually, God is bigger than that, but one of his primary attributes is that he is love. So I want to be clear in doing that. We know in the Greek language there's several words for love. We, it's a little tougher for us. You know, I love ice cream. I love the Lakers. Or, I'm sorry, wrong one. Uh, Warriors, who is it? Uh, I, I don't mean to alienate people starting off right here. Um, um, but in the Greek language, there is numbers of words. And eros, it's sexual love. Uh, storge, is family love. Phileos, brotherly love. Agape, sacrificial love. Well, we are... The word that is used in Scripture to denote God's love for us and the love that he has put in our hearts for one another is agape love. And agape is a sacrificial love. And I uh, have a personal working definition that I've worked through over the years. I would say this. Agape love is a posture of heart and mind revealed by words and deeds that selflessly seeks the well-being of another. It is the highest kind of love that is known to us as humanity. And we're very grateful that God has so revealed that to us. Now, I'm going to take you through a fair number of scriptures today in this message. And I'm going to start with one that comes out of Jesus' first major discourse. It's found in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And it is, um, it's the Beatitudes. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus here is speaking to largely a people who know the covenant that God gave through Moses some 1,500 years earlier. And each time he touches on a point of that covenant or the laws of that covenant that is 1,500 years old, he actually raises the bar and he seems to move it higher. So we read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, uh, starting in 43, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, I've searched through the scriptures to find that where it was said in scripture, hate your enemies. The closest I can come is David, I think, when he said, I have a perfect hatred for, anyway. Uh, but, but Jesus says this, love your neighbor, hate your enemies. You've heard it said, but I tell you, hang on, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect. It's a Greek word, teleos. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Teleos. Oh, my goodness. Wow. How many of you are you on for the ride? I mean, it's like, it's, it's wait a minute. This seems beyond anything we could even consider. And yet God has called us because of what he is going to do through his son when he went to the cross and initiated, as we just celebrated, a new covenant 
God is going to do something in us by the Holy Spirit that we could never consider doing on our own. It would be absolutely impossible. So when he says, be perfect, be teleos, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, we have to look at that word a little bit. It comes from telos. It means to be complete in growth or mental or moral character. It comes from telos and tello, which incidentally, it's the point aimed at as a limit or a goal. So here's the interesting thing. This word is very significant in Scripture because it's used over and over again For example, Jesus uses something that's derived from this word when he gives us the new commandment in John chapter 15, verse 12. My command, entelome, is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, interestingly enough, this comes from the base of the word telos from which we get this word. Because here's what commandment is. If we could picture a very large arrow up here that is pointing in this direction, and written on this arrow is this new commandment. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. The idea that I want you to see today is not that God wants you to come up and hug this big arrow. He doesn't just want you to come up and memorize it so you can say it every day. Oh, those, those are good things. We need to be aware of it. We need to know what that command is. We need to keep it in our vision daily. But the point of it is not the command itself. It's the objective that it points to. What it is is an actual life where we, in fact, love one another as he has loved us. So just knowing the commandment is not the objective. It's the Uh, telos. It's what it points to. And so God has called us on this journey of growing in love, becoming more and more like our Heavenly Father. And what is now impossible under the law, it would be a bar that none of us could reach, now becomes something that we can grow in because of the grace of God and because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I had this thought. It was in 2019. I just pulled this out of my notes. So obviously that's several years back. I had this thought one day that perfect love is perfect holiness. And I made this note. And I I wrote, it's impossible to be holy without love for one another. To be perfectly holy is to be complete in love. So this was a thought that I hadn't really contemplated uh, much before, but I began to consider it and and thought about, is is this biblical? Is this true? And then 1 John 4, 12 came to mind, and I had put that in my notes uh, back then. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete, perfect, or teleo, in us. So it's God at work in us, even as we are in him and he is in us in this mystery that he's called us into relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I want you to think about this. God is at work in your life because of his presence to make you complete in love. 
He wants to take you to the bullseye of where this commandment points to so that you are increasingly living a life of love. You're growing in that amazing calling. Well, but I want to look at 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13. Uh, I'd encourage you to pull this up in your Bibles. Uh, and in fact, make a note of this because I want you to take some time with this during this week. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Paul writing to the Thessalonian church. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now, I want us to kind of break this down, and actually, almost all the other verses that I'm going to use are from the NIV, uh, the 84 version. Uh, this particular one is from the NASB, and I'll tell you why in just a little bit. I want us to look at it. The major things that are talked about here is that we are to increase and abound in love for one another. Okay, so that's clear. That's kind of what he's focusing on. But then ultimately, he says, so that we can be without blame in holiness before our God and Father. So that's the journey. It's growing in love so we can grow in holiness. Very interesting, uh, something that as I search through Scripture with this thought that love and holiness are connected, I saw this verse and I went, I think it is here. So let's look at it, starting in the first part. Uh, May the Lord cause you. I, I want us to understand this. First of all, it's may the Lord cause you. I, I want us to understand that this is not us stressing in ourselves and saying, I'm going to love more, I'm going to love more, I'm going to love more if it kills me. It's not that. It's not try more harder. That was the law. And you know where that got us. Uh, it's, it's him at work in us. So Paul says, may the Lord cause you. The second thing to look at there is to increase and abound in love for one another. In the old covenant, the primary focus was on our finite ability to love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength your neighbors, yourself. It put you in the center, your finite ability. The new covenant, there is an incredible shift, which the change is it's God's love for us that rules the day and his imparting that love into us. So may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in your love for one another. And then he takes it a step further and for all people. And for all people. I just want us to see, as Christians, we are those who love everyone. That should be clear from what we just read in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, uh, God causes his reign to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the unjust. Uh, There's something about God that is so incredibly demonstrated in his love. Not just for one another, but for all people. Love should permeate this house and the relationships we have in it. 
but it should also spill out of the doors of this place. It should go everywhere we go. And for all people, Sari's trying to help me out here with this sermon. And for all people, just as we do for you. So Paul is saying, I live this, I model it. And uh, I, I think that's obviously appropriate. Paul is not saying do something I don't do, but do something that you know I do for you. Now, the next words are very critical, the beginning of verse 13. So that, so that. And I have to just take a moment here to explain something. This is the reason I happen to use for this verse, the New American Standard Bible. Um, understand this, the rest of what I'm doing is from the NIV. I use the NIV regularly. In fact, when I study the Bible, I always have at least four versions open. Uh, I'm always looking and referencing and going back to the Greek or Hebrew. But, um, but it's interesting, uh, um, and, and I, I don't get into Bible wars, translation wars. I don't do that. Because in my understanding, every translation has strengths and weaknesses, but the message in every one I've ever considered is everything we need to live, and if we just do what's in them, I mean, we've got, our, uh, we've got it mapped out in front of us. But there's a word right here in verse 13, which doesn't happen to be in the NIV. Um, they move it down a little bit, and I'll show you that in a bit. So that, so that. So may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people so that, and do you see what it's doing? It's pointing us somewhere. It's taking us to an objective. Your increasing and abounding in love is for a reason. It is so that um, he may strengthen your hearts and cause this increase to take place. Now, just pause for a moment and look at the uh, NIV. Um, what the NIV did, unfortunately, and they don't do this in other places where the same Greek is used, but they took uh, the ice, this particular Greek word, and they moved it down further in the sentence. What it does is it takes away uh, some of the point that is being made here. And they kind of disconnect the thoughts. So that's enough for that of the NIV. So that is a primary preposition. It's directing us to a place, a time, a purpose. And that's really all that we need to know as we're looking at it here. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness. Now, are you beginning to see the connection between a growing love and a growing holiness? Isn't that an interesting connection? Um, in part of my personal history uh, growing up uh, in the church, holiness was something that was totally separate from love. We didn't talk about love a whole bunch, but holiness was something that we did talk about. And it had to do with a fair amount of what you do and what you don't do uh, in even the kind of clothes you wear, uh, etc. which, I mean, there's some wisdom in all of that. But it wasn't the essence of holiness. What the scripture is saying here, what Paul is saying, the pathway to holiness 
is an increasing and abounding love for one another. That's the pathway to holiness. So that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness. And notice again that it says that he may establish your hearts. May the Lord cause you to increase in abounds so that he may establish your hearts. Again, recognize it is a work of grace. It is God at work in you. And we will be asking collectively, inviting the Lord to do this work in us before we leave this place today. So that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So this is a very significant passage. It was the first one I found that connected love and holiness. And it it started to answer the question that I had three years ago. What about perfect love? It's perfect love, perfect holiness. I found another verse, Philippians chapter 1. Paul again writing to the church at Philippi, uh, verse 9 through 11. Here's what he says. This is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more. Now notice the words that are a little bit further in the verse. You may be pure and blameless. Do you see again his connection between a growing or abounding love? Your love may abound more and more. And a greater purity and blameless in the heart of us as believers. This is something that God is so interested in, and it flows out of our obedience to the command he gave us, just as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. And if you will go on this journey, you will be on a life not only of being perfected in love, but holiness or blamelessness, purity, will become a part of your life. Philippians, let's read this again. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that, ice, there's that word again, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I hope this begins to make very clear for you the connection between love and holiness. They're not two separate issues. They go together. Perfect love is perfect holiness. It's impossible to be holy without love for one another. To be perfectly holy is to be complete in love. We looked at the 1 John 4.12 passage. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete or perfected in us. This is the amazing thing that he has called us to. I had an interesting thing as I was studying this. 
when I was doing the research for the, the book I released in uh, 2008, Love Revolution, Rediscovering the Lost Command of Jesus, I did five years of research. Somewhere in that research, I had put a note in my files and I wasn't aware of it until I'm doing a search through my files and I come up with something that uh, Augustine of Hippo said in 415 AD. Many of you know he's considered by many the father of theology. Uh, but he, he makes this statement uh, in quote, uh, which is infant, it's not a word we use, it's an old word. Infant love, therefore, is infant holiness. <laughs> I was so surprised when I saw this. Oh my goodness. He addresses this issue. Advanced love is advanced holiness. Great love is great holiness. Perfect love is perfect holiness. But this love, he writes, comes out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. Augustine of Hippo in 415. Uh, it's so interesting. He's obviously quoting from 1 Timothy there at the end, 1 Timothy 1.5. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. 1 John 4.18, John, as he's talking to us about love, says this. There's no fear in love, but perfect or teleos love, love that reaches that target, that goal. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect, teleo, in love. So we see that in the sense, this is not incidentally the awe of God. It's not that kind of fear that we're getting delivered from. That is always relevant for us as believers. But it is the kind of fear that, uh, that keeps us from spreading the love that God puts in our hearts. I, I, to illustrate this, I went back and I was just thinking about the, uh, an incident in Acts chapter 4. You remember the, the guy that was lame and he was by the gate of the temple and Peter and John were going by and he said, you know, do I have any money? Peter said, look at us. Silver and gold have we none, but what we do have we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. Well, the man began to walk and leap and run through the temple. Well, things got really crazy because they, uh, first of all, people thought, oh my goodness, we have some gods among us. And then Peter stops them and he begins to proclaim Jesus Christ, uh, him uh, uh, crucified and him raised from the dead. And anyway, it was a pretty good day for the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, I think the number grew to 5,000 people that day that had uh, believed. And so it was a pretty significant day. But what happened is the religious leaders of the day got very concerned about it. And they told them, we absolutely must stop you from speaking in this name and about this person anymore. You can't talk about Jesus. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 10 and verse 12, here was their response to them. It is by the name of Jesus Christ, 
whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. Next verse. When they saw the courage, the confidence, the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Any ordinary people here in the, in the house? Any of you online? Any ordinary people here? When they realized this, they were astonished and took note of these men that they had been with Jesus. Do you understand that perfect love casts out fear? The reason they were so courageous, confident, or bold was that they had been infused with that love that literally hurls fear out the window. <clears throat> There's a significant difference between courage and fear. When you look at some of the words that are associated with fearfulness, you see words like afraid, frightened, scared, terrified, petrified, alarmed, panicky, nervous, tense, apprehensive, uneasy, hesitant, disquieted, worried, anxious, fearful, fearful. Perfect love casts out fear. I don't want these things in my life. Courageous. You know what that word's... Here's, here's some of the words that express that. Brave, fearless, valiant, intrepid, heroic, lion-hearted, bold, daring, adventurous, undaunted, unflinching, unshrinking, unafraid, dauntless, indomitable, stout-hearted, gallant, resolute, death or glory. <laughs> All right, there's more there that you can, you can look at. There's a great difference between being fearful and having perfect love, having driven out the fear. And you know why God wants us to have that, that perfect love? Why he wants to fill us with that is it delivers us from the fear that can so easily bind us in life. So we can live in the freedom, in the love that God has provided for us. Most of you would know Abuna and Marian Andras. They are missionary friends from Egypt. And they, uh, they came, I think maybe for the first time, sat in a service here in about 2018. And uh, when Andrew, Pastor Andrew, saw them here, he went down, introduced himself to them, and was stunned because I've been praying, he said, for two years that God would send someone who could speak Arabic into our city to be missionaries to the Syrian, the Arab, uh, Arabic-speaking peoples. And uh, so they came into the congregation. Well, anyway, we've obviously, as a city and a region, and as certainly as this church, have had an ongoing relationship with Abuna and Marion. And... Uh, as you know, he, he was a Coptic Orthodox priest for many years and, um, and experienced an incredible revival in 2011 uh, in, uh, in, in uh, Tripoli. 
there was just an amazing season. It was about four years. But what I want to tell you is something that happened quite recently. In fact, yesterday was the anniversary of what I'm going to tell you about. Happened one year ago. May 30th, 2021, um, Marion, who's I think 47 years old, she had a stroke. She was up in paradise, had a stroke. She had a, a seizure. Uh, they ended up taking her to Enloe Hospital. And when she got in there, they immediately, as they looked at her, said, this is beyond what we can do. We're transferring you to UC Davis. And they took her quickly to UC Davis and said, the kind of stroke and brain bleed you're having is extremely rare. It is a one in five million case. And as a result, it became a case study down there. She was in an ICU down there in Davis for four days and uh, was uh, at death's door. She literally periodically awakened enough actually to see herself in a morgue and to pray against it and, and declare life over herself. After four days, there was a dramatic turn and her health began to just spring back very quickly. Well, they're bringing classrooms in and, 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 and all this and they're... Um, they're just stunned at the progress she starts to make. But when she comes out, her family uh, comes in the room and she is crying. And they say, Marion, are you sad? Are you hurting? Uh, what is the problem here? And she says, no, I'm not. God is love. And they, they went, yeah. Right, And she goes, no, 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 you don't know it. God is love. <laughs> and she said, I have been in his presence and it is a love which is undescribable. She said, I can't find words in, Arab, uh, in Arabic, English, or French to describe the love that God has for us. So when we choose this title today, God is love, I want you to actually just rewrite it in your mind. It's not God is love. It is God is love. And we have yet to understand the greatness of that love. But I'll tell you what it did for her. It cast out fear. She became the most courageous. She said, I'm not a bold person. I don't normally speak out. But I talked to everyone I encountered about Jesus from that time on. I shared with them, the doctors, the, the people that were in the room with me. I asked everyone, do you know Jesus? Can I pray with you? She actually led people to the Lord before she left UC Davis. She said, it is so unlike me. She said, it, 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 I was so sensitive. I became so aware of God's love for people. He said, when, when people, she said, when people would come in the room, I would know instantly whether they were a believer or not. And, and when they're a believer, I could just so feel God's love for them uh, and his, his pride and his 
a pleasure over them, even those that were obviously, you know, not perfect. The father had such love for them. And then he said, she said, I could see people came in the room that were not believers, and I knew it. But I saw that God loved them as much as he loved his children. And he said, I just began to see, like Jesus, leaving the 99 to go after the one. The father waiting for the prodigal son. The doctor said to her, as she was being released after um, his four days, eight days, 12 days, would have been one year ago yesterday. The doctor said to her, you're a very lucky person. <laughs> but remember, she's just encountered God. <laughs> she's just encountered the love of God. So she goes like, I don't believe in luck. I believe in Jesus. <laughs> she said, I don't normally have that boldness. But I just and said, because there was so much love coming out of me, they accepted my words. She said, even when I was politically, uh, you know, uh, what, what is it, politically, whatever. Um, I, it didn't, didn't matter. The love was so strong. I became, she said in her own words, so courageous. You see like why God wants us to be growing and abounding in love? Not only does it make it holy, it drives out fear. And it makes us people who are delivered of our um, fears and set free into the courage. The final thing she said, and I'm quoting from her, the thing, this, the thing that will ignite the revival is our love for one another and the unity that we have as a result of that. So I just absolutely want to encourage us. We already today celebrated, we took those moments of remembrance to celebrate the new covenant when we took the bread and broke it and ate it. And we took the cup and we drank it together. We were commemorating and remembering a new covenant which Jesus initiated. But you know this, that the day that he initiated that new covenant, he also gave us a new commandment. And here's that new commandment. A new command. Next slide. The new command I give to all of you. This is my translation of this. And the reason I say to all of you, because it's the you is a plural. A new command I give to all of you so that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so all of you are to love one another. This is why this love needs to be increasing and abounding more and more. We're on a journey of becoming more holy. Josh McDowell says this. I just happened to see this quote in my notes. God is the source of all love. It flows out of the great reservoir of his goodness. Love permeates all of his attributes. I believe that. In fact, I'm... I'm working, I'm, I'm pursuing something. It seems to me that perfect love is indeed perfect holiness. 
Perfect love is perfect goodness. It's perfect mercy. It's perfect peace. Perfect love is perfect discipline. It's perfect wisdom. It's perfect equity. It's perfect justice. It's perfect judgment. And it's perfect reward. I think in God, when we say God is love, I'm just not talking about some abstract perfection. I'm talking about who he is and who, he, who he's calling us toward being is to be more and more like him. And I think if we just see God is so big, he is so large, uh, and I, 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 I don't want to get that picture out of my mind of Marion when they said, when she said, as she's trying, God is love. And they said, yeah, we, we know that. She said, no, 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 no. God is love. It's like, no, you've got to grow in this. So today, that's been our theme, that this is who he is. And it's an attribute which permeates everything he does. And I believe in the day that we stand before him, we will see that that love is so vast that none of the other qualities could ever be, um, he could ever be accused of being anything less than perfect in how he has demonstrated every aspect of his personality to us. I want us to be able, we're going to move to the closing of our service. I'd like you to stand with me in closing. I'm going to ask the, those that are going to be praying here with others at the front of the church here to come forward now, take your positions, be ready to pray. I want you to know that anyone who desires prayer today, you are welcome to come at the conclusion of this service. For some of you, even who may have never personally received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, this is an amazing day that we can do that. We can say yes to him. If you have a concern, a burden that you're carrying, you feel like you need someone else to share that with, please feel free to come at the end. And uh, as we're standing, I'm going to read a, a bit of it's not actually a benediction, but it is from Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to make it the benediction for this day. Listen to these words. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It's rather Jesus Christ who died. More than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is love. Today, we bless you. And I want us just in this moment, would you just put your hands out just like this? Just to receive. And I want us to agree in a simple prayer that I'm just going to pray now. Make it the prayer from your heart too. Father, cause me to increase and abound in love more and more. So that I can be holy like you are holy. I thank you for hearing the prayer, Lord. We embrace it and we say yes to it. Would you just take your hands now and put it to your heart? Just say, Lord, I receive. I receive the love of heaven. Fill, fill, fill me by the Holy Spirit with that love of heaven. Now, I'm going to dismiss you now. So this is the end of your service. But I would encourage you to love on one another as you're moving out of this building. Begin to let that love be expressed right here in this place to those that are online. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you all. Amen.